If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you as always. Hope you're well on a Balls Wednesday. I think I'm going to smoke a cigar tonight. A good cigar. Is that right? I think so. I'll tell you why in a second. On Twitter, it's at J. Cameron Show. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. You're you, and you're listening to us, and that is something we do appreciate. Very much so. Uh, if you're watching on Warchant TV, make sure that you like, subscribe, share, pass it around. All that good stuff. And uh, helps others find what we're what we're doing here on the Jeff Cameron Show on a daily basis. Thanks so much again for watching. Appreciate you uh, doing that and being here. Mike's getting a little loose here. Mike's getting a little loose, Tommy. Well, to it is almost it. summertime. Everybody is. Yeah, yeah. Soon enough. Yeah, you talk about it. I mean, you guys out there, you know, if you've got kids, they're checked out. They're done with school. That's it. They see May and they're like, peace. Done with this nonsense. I have to get them to buckle up. I spent some time with my nephews playing video games online because that's how you connect these days. Yeah. And they're starting to ask for the Friday nights mm. because they know. They want to start, yeah. It's time. Like, hey, can we? Because usually a weeknight that's not Friday. Right. Hey, can we Can we try Friday night? Maybe mm. we can play for like two hours? Yeah, get know. after. I like that tradition of yours. It's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. Uh, the draft is tomorrow. The NFL draft is tomorrow. Really looking forward to making my way over. Tom will be there. Uh, hopefully you guys will. Really, it's just anybody that wants to be. This is not an official station event. This is not an official Jeff Cameron show event. This is a laid-back, hey, man, I like football. You like football. I like to know how the pie comes together. I like to know how everything's made. So it is that uh, you watch the draft and you educate yourself and you get excited about a player or not, and you have that discussion. Uh, uh, that's a good pick. That's a bad pick. And then you commit that baby to memory. And it's all so that five and seven years now you can come back and say, I told you, Tom, he's garbage. Look at this bum. Told you on draft night. And then other times you say, I had a sneaky suspicion he'd be a pro bowler. I know he was a three-year back, back of a two-lane, but those six games we saw him, you could tell he was figuring it out. So I like it. I like it. And that conversation is met with uh, cold, frosty beverages and also delicious mm. food over at Bumpas. I always talk about the Uncle Sal, but yeah. how about the Brussels sprouts as a side? Those Fantastic. are crazy Oh, good. yeah. Good use of vinegar. Yes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Love it. Sweet and crunchy. Can't wait. 
Yes, sir. Definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's tomorrow's draft. We'll be there. Uh, probably heading over there around, what, 6, 6.30? I think so. Get you an ice cold. Yeah. 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 6.37. I think it starts at 8, Seven. doesn't it? No, 7.30, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Well, oh, you know. i got to get up on the times here. Listen, what else are you going to be doing? Dilly-dallying? Might as well get over there a little bit early. Be on the back nine, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you got to get there a little bit early. you gotta, you got to chill out and have some fun. Speaking of football, the Bucks picked up uh, Devin White's fifth-year option. There was never going to be a doubt about that. That has been a resounding uh, plus of a selection in the first round. And we were on that one. We were on that one. I, I like that pick. I was arguing for that pick. Middle linebackers matter. Uh, and that was good. Hopefully, you know how nervous Jermaine Johnson must be right now? Now, it's all relative because you're only as nervous as circumstance allows. So if your circumstance is, I may not get drafted, you're probably a lot more nervous or you know, you stand to, let's say, potentially lose out on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on where you are in the draft. You might be a little bit more nervous. If the difference between you getting drafted is that you may get drafted fourth, you may get drafted 14th, you'd be nervous because that, too, could cost you millions of dollars. But now we're just talking about how many more millions are you going to have or not have. And it's a little less nerve-wracking when you know you're going in the first round, which I think is important. Um, and, and it's going to be a good day for, for him. And it's a good kid can't believe he was just here um and 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 just like that bam first round saw a video today and it's a it's a video that's older but Warwick dunn's twitter account had shared it and it talks about his draft day experience and how the scouts were telling him that if he was just 511 and not 57 or 58 he might have gone top three or maybe number one overall given his resume and he said i was just hoping to be in the top five well at least the top six and then Tampa had six, they traded back to eight, and then they traded back to 12, and then I got the call. But it could be a similar, but hopefully not too similar experience for yeah. Jermaine Johnson. Mm-hmm. Because uh, work done, was thinking top five or top ten, ended up being 12, and he had a borderline Hall of Fame uh, career afterwards. May someday be a Hall of Famer. You know, time does a lot for us all. Uh, gives you perspective, certainly. Also changes, oftentimes, the way you think about things. Uh, you know, you can be gung-ho on one thing in the moment, many years later having that opportunity to reflect. A lot of things happen between that time and this time that make you say, oh, you know, I don't think that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. I think that uh, this, is, this is true instead. Um, Warwick Dunn's career is one of those careers that when it ended, you and I said, I think, you know, a couple times over the last several years, you know, if yards are yards, <laughs> you know, like very much analytics – Advanced metrics, all of these other ways of evaluating a career, evaluating a player, uh, productivity in baseball and in football and in basketball, what a player is or is not, what he truly is or is not. We've had better ways, better methodologies of figuring out. And for a guy like Warwick Dunn, I think that that will aid his case more than most. So if we were stuck using conventional means, you would just look at his rushing yards as a running back per season. You might look at receptions because it's not as if people didn't know Roger Craig could catch the ball out of the backfield and was a prolific uh, weapon for San Francisco for all those years. There have been dual threats in that way out of the backfield in the past. But really, Warwick Dunn, um, and, you know, obviously Marshall Falk to a greater extent, 
ushered in an era of football that saw running backs routinely evaluated and their valuation shift based on if they could do both. They couldn't just be battering rams between the tackles. They couldn't just be guys that you could hand the ball to 30 times a game and hope to get 120 yards rushing and two touchdowns. That the more versatility you brought to the table, the better off you could be utilized within an offense. And that that was adapted during Warwick Dunn's time, in part, again, because of Warwick, but also because, again, of crazy good athletes like Marshall Falk. Um I, after a while, you just start saying, well, how many yards from scrimmage did Warwick Dunn produce? How many touchdowns? How many? Yeah. In that regard, where does he sit, Tom? Very high on the list, if I'm not mistaken. 20th most in NFL history. Thank you. So there it is. 20th most. If you're responsible for the 20th most offensive yards in football in the history of the game, I got to believe you have a case for the Hall of Fame. You know how many people have played football? A lot. Too many to count. There's only 20 that are in the top 20. <laughs> so, my man. So, here's the thing. There's only four players in front of him. He's at 20th alone that are not in the Hall of Fame. And they're all probably going to go to the Hall of Fame, but one is a, a questionable. Frank Gore, number four in history. I think he's, he'll go in the Hall of Fame. Go. He'll make the Hall of Fame. Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Easily. Adrian Peterson. Absolutely. Piece of garbage. But he will be, yes. he'll have a bust. Mm -hmm. He busted up his kid, which is not cool. He'll have a bust in Canton. Mm -hmm. Tiki Barber, 15th overall in history. That would be the barrier. Because was Tiki really a Hall of Famer? No. But he's responsible for the 15th most yards from scrimmage mm -hmm. in NFL history. I'm probably going to have to acquiesce to Tiki, I guess. Right, yes. Basically, that's the backroom yeah, deal. Like, like, all right, I want to let I'll Warwick let, in. I'll let you let Tiki in yeah. if you're going to let my boy Warwick in. Plus, you could put the barbers next to each other and have that ha-ha, look at that, they're twins moment thing for the NFL in Canton. That's great. Just make sure that Warwick comes with them. I will tell you something, though. Um, I understand the case against Warwick Dunn being a Hall of Famer. The same as I understand the case against Tiki Barber being a Hall of Famer. But I can argue for them both to be Hall of Famers. They are truly borderline guys. I mean, you know, I do think we've gotten a little too loosey-goosey when it comes to the halls of fame in all of the sports. Um, I, I'm very much a guy that when we get into debates about anything, whether it's Florida State football lore or the NFL's Hall of Fame, Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, which is always a contested and uh, argumentative uh, layer, uh, I, would, I would tell you that I'm always – a guy that says, okay, let's first define our terms. What do you have to be to get into the Hall of Fame? Can somebody tell me? Because it's like the Heisman Trophy. You know I, I scoff at the Heisman Trophy unless we have a candidate that could actually win it. Then I'm like, all right, let's win the Heisman. Because of the boon that it is economically for your university, for your athletic department, and down the line for your football program in general. Uh, it's a huge boost. It's, it's a, it catapults you into another uh, realm. So... It's good to win them, but if we're just talking big picture about who's the best college football player, good luck with that, man. There's no way to define that. Best player on the best team? Best player at the most high-profile position on the best team? Is it an interior guard at Furman? I mean, good luck. You can't, you can't know it, and they don't do a good job of defining their terms. It's this nebulous best player. Well, best player in the ultimate team game? Good luck.
Good luck. Jerry Rice was an all-time great receiver. Everybody will agree upon that. Is he the greatest receiver of all time? You can't get everybody to agree on that. You will debate it, but we won't debate that he was great. You also wouldn't debate that if the rest of that team hadn't been loaded, he wouldn't have had as much single coverage as he got time and again. Right? It helped that they had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, all-pro linemen, all-pro running backs, another all-pro receiver. It, yeah, that worked. An all-pro tied in. It worked out A well. A cutting-edge scheme that nobody yes, had seen right. before. So it's hard to do it in football. And it always bothers me. That always bothers me. But anyhow, back to this. So define your terms is what I'm saying. Just define your terms. Because, um, I mean, again, if you just say willy-nilly, if, I, if we're sitting here and I tell you, hey, tomorrow we've got a guest from whatever sport. In this case, we'll use football. We've got a guest coming in studio. We're going to talk for an hour with a man responsible for the 20 most, most yards from scrimmage in the history of the NFL. You would assume that person would be a Hall of Famer, wouldn't you? And yet if I say the name, you'd go, well... Right, because you could say the 15th most yards from scrimmage <laughs> is in not NFL in the Hall history. Of Fame. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have Tiki Barber on the show tomorrow. Yeah, 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 right, right. I'd say, Jeff, I'm going to be sick tomorrow, well, first of all. That's just nuts, right? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a weird and kind of a fun uh, argument, and, and, and it's always a great debate. Baseball does a poor job with it, uh, as we've gotten so much better at evaluating production. Because of better metrics, uh, we now they're all used as tools to evaluate what a player is. But now we, we we include so many things that show you the totality of what a player is that what ends up happening is when you do the comparison resumes and you put the you know outline rather than the definition, you don't have the face. I go, this resume went into the Hall of Fame 27 years ago, overwhelmingly voted in. This resume hasn't sniffed the Hall of Fame. And then you're looking at those numbers and you're like, they're the same player. Oh, really? They are the exact same player. Right. That's what the metrics have kind of done. And now you're like, oh, well, what do we do? What do we do? And, yeah. and that's a Because tough. if it's like a court of law and there's a precedent and you've got to adjudicate the, pres- the precedent as the judge, then mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to get in. Yeah. But you've got to weigh also evolution of the game, not just in the way you measure yeah, it. eras, ballparks, right, evolution right. of the game, all of it. What were you in your era? Were you one of your five best players at your position in your era? What was working against you? What was working for you? Like, for example, I mean, we love to make fun of Derek Jeter. Partly because Yankee fans like Derek Jeter in an unhealthy way. And they'll have you believe Derek Jeter is the greatest shortstop to ever play. Yes, and, they will. And, and, and they'll and, mean it. And they mean it. And it's like Kobe fans. Right. They're, they're the nuts. same people. Yeah. And, and they're nuts. Right? It's just crazy. So, but that doesn't mean Derek Jeter wasn't great. He was. He right. was. Right. So we make both arguments. Like, you need to settle down. There have been 50 better shortstops than Derek Jeter. But your boy's a Hall of Famer. Okay. What was working for him? What was working against him? Well, what was working for him was the band box to right center where you could inside out a swing 290 and have it be a home run. Got it. What was yeah. working against him? Put right. that dude at yeah. City Field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be a career 255 hitter. <laughs> well, that or he'd just be a doubles hitter. But he, you know, I mean, that that's what I mean. That's it's, So it's, it's a fun deal, though. 
Because are you going to take away somebody's ability to adjust to ballparks? So, for example, in Fenway, you know, one of the things that worked out with Bill James was that he knew Boston had it wrong all those years. They were stockpiling right-handed hitters because the left field wall is the green monster. And they're like, all you got to do is pop it up to left field. It's a home run or it's a double off the wall. And he was like, no, 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 no. Guys are working too hard to pull pitches because as right-handed hitters, they know that walls. They're trying to do that. You need to stockpile left-hand hitters. You need to start finding lefties that make sense here so they can flick the ball oppo. Right. Yeah, and that way they'll hit the all fields because they're already going to pull that fastball on the inside and it's short down the right field line there. But then there's also fame, the fame factor. I think that should weigh into the Hall of Fame discussion. And Derek Jeter is iconic. Big poppy in Boston working with that green monster when he goes oppo and then just hitting at 450 down the line and right, there's there's fame that goes with them. They're icons. So I think if it's 50-50 and yeah. you've got somebody who is a face of a sport for a while for one reason or another, be it you know well, uh, endorsement deals or, no, no, or no, aptitude. No, no. Well, it better be aptitude. It, it, well, no, it better be aptitude. It pushes you over the finish line is my point. Yeah. Because there are guys now in all leagues that for whatever reason they're very affable, as you're noting, or they've got a face the camera loves. Now, Ricky because, Fowler, World Golf Hall of Famer, okay. clearly. So, but Ricky Fowler, <laughs> now the one thing I would say, it, this gets interesting. Ricky's hurt by this because he's always on television, and the backlash is, you going to win a major? I would also point out Ricky Fowler's been a really good player for a very long time and an impossibly difficult sport and has a gazillion runner-up finishes. He's also won like nine times on tour. It's hard to win on tour. He And he's won some big events. He's been a Ryder Cupper, so he's not a bum. You know, he's not a bum. No, he's not a bum. He's not a bum at all. He's been a, a like, if his resume, if you randomly did the resume thing that we were just talking about, and I said that was going to be a guest in here tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, that, that's going to be cool. We're talking to a guy that won this many times on the tour and was on the right. Who is it, Jeff? And then I would tell you it's Ricky Fowler. You'd be like, oh. Oh, I'm going to be sick tomorrow. <laughs> so, I'm just telling you, it's very difficult, right? Well, okay, Baker Mayfield is great in those ads. In every one of them, he's great. He's just a terrible quarterback. Right. You got to be close enough, though. I don't think he's going to sniff it. No. College Football Hall of Fame? Oh, eh, uh, get pretty. Yeah, yeah, likely. Yeah, as a call. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, hell, yes. Johnny Manziel get in the College Football Hall of Fame. Sure. No, you do. You, you do. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Yeah, if you're great in college, if only for trucking that lady at the Chick Fil A bar. <laughs> Ass cheeks to face. Oh, one of the great ones against Duke. That's right. That always stands out and to Duke me. Duke had a it's huge a, lead, and they Duke blew it. Duke should have won the game. That's back when Limp Fish had a little thing going. Dead Fish <laughs> handshake. <laughs> he went from Dead Fish to Limp Fish? Uh, further besmirching my... Is that what retirement does to uh, us all? Dead Limp, either way. Not strong. Not a strong handshake at all. But, but I those, know the Mannings. But those butt cheeks to that face were strong. That lady went flying. <laughs> what a great day. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The video games Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, Balls Wednesday edition. Tomorrow, the draft. We'll see you at Bumpa's Local, 349, 730-ish. Speaking of the draft, draft night. Always fun, and this one particular night, Tom, you and I sitting next to one another laughed uproariously and uh, did so uh, for for years uh, to come after, Uh, and I will again as I'm reminded of this wonderful moment. Uh, So Laramie Tunsil. This is so good. Has launched an NFT 
And I have to tell you, kudos. Jeff Cameron Show PR firm, thumbs up, Laramie Tunsil, launches an NFT of the NFL Draft gas mask video. He is doing that to benefit uh, charity. So this is a win across the board, and it's awesome. Six years ago, the NFL draft was infamously overshadowed for him by a video of him smoking marijuana out of a gas mask. He's turning that particular incident into an NFT. The Houston Texans offensive tackle is a minting a one-of-one one NFT of the clip. He announced on Wednesday. The image is up on the feed right now. Oh, it's look at that. It's fantastic. And he's laughing his ass off. Look at that. <laughs> oh, that is so good. I think I began the show talking a little bit about how time changes, helps shift, warp, change the way you view incidents, things, people, careers. Fast forward six seasons from that moment in which Laramie Tunsil was seen getting high as a kite using a gas mask as the delivery. And they published it on the ESPN broadcast. Yeah. They showed the world. Yeah, somebody leaked that. Some hating ass decided to release that on a night that should have been a shining moment for Laramie Tunsil. And in that moment, if you recall, he was shamed, and there was thought of, well, can they get out of whatever deal they were going to make with him? Is he going to get drafted at all? Like People acted as if this guy had shot somebody, as opposed to hilariously getting high using a gas mask at some point in college and having it captured on video, which is unfortunate for him that that video was then released. It's a friend who was not coming along for the ride. Man. Ben's taking an ass kicking at some point here. Laramie but, told him I'm off you for life before that. Clearly, yeah. so I'll show you. So he's using this now. Uh, I love I love the cause. By the way, I think this is great. He announced on Wednesday the portion of the proceeds will benefit the Last Prisoner Project. If you guys don't know about that, uh, I think it's great. Works to free those that have been incarcerated for cannabis only offenses, which is insane. So good for him. Quote: I'm officially moving on, and I'm putting this uh, moment in the past. Making some money for charity. The video leaked off of uh, his Twitter account years ago. Also, we've learned a little bit about that. Man, Twitter has come back to haunt people. Oh, so it was his own account? I didn't realize well, that. Well, like years and years earlier. So somebody and, pulled yeah, the somebody video? Somebody pulled the video, yeah. And it was without his consent. And it was minutes before the start of the draft. <laughs> That's right. I just couldn't believe it made the draft broadcast. Yeah. Like, what's the conversation in the truck? Hey, guys, we have this video of Laramie Tunsil using a gas mask to smoke weed. Should we publish it? Yes. Go Are ahead. you kidding? We should like, lead. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it, it, that's why he fell to 13th at the time. He was drafted by Miami, started all three years there before they traded him to the Texans. Um, and he has said before that he believes it's helped shape negative opinions of him. Um you know, he said it was probably one of the worst feelings I've ever experienced at the time. To this day, I play with a little bit of anger because I feel like I had to continually prove myself. I don't feel like I get the credit I deserve because of the gas mask. I, I, he, I think he's right about that. I, he hasn't been a bad player. He's been a good player. So, 
Yeah, I think that's accurate. But think if it happened now. Again, to my point, think if it happened now. Weed's legal in half these places where these guys shoot these videos. I mean, you'd be like, well, whatever. At least medically speaking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much legal. And we're moving to a place where it just will be across the board. And we also know, like, hey, my man was sitting on a couch at a house. No, this it's very yeah. different the way we perceive these things. Oh yeah, short of um, you know, both houses of Congress having people like Richard Nixon and Futurama, it's going to happen soon. <laughs> yeah. They're just they're ninety five yeah. and they're holding on for dear life. But dear in about life. ten yeah. ten years time, fifteen yeah. years time. Well, yeah. even I, I don't know. I, if you so like my dad would never be a guy that's pro weed per se, just because he's in his seventies and he grew up in an era where he'd be like, eh, well, I don't know, it's a slippery slope, you know, all that nonsense. And um nonsense. Yeah. It's not a slippery slope. Uh people who smoke weed don't suddenly start doing cocaine. That's oh, a well, stupid yeah. argument. The gateway drug it's thing. not yeah. it's not a slippery slope gateway at all. Anyhow, that said, like that's how old people think a lot of times. That's how old people thought. But I, I think even old people are like, you know, it's probably not any worse than, say, or worse at all than, say, alcohol. And I loved Willie Nelson's music yeah. in the 50s anyway. Come to think of it, some of my best friends in the 60s were crazy potheads. They turned out just fine. Yeah. So even the older group, who you don't ex- expect to turn and turn over a new leaf and decide that the way they thought about things is antiquated. Tie-dye has come back in their lives. Yeah. So good for uh, Larry Tunsil, who's turned this into an NFT and reminded us of what an awesome moment that was as we sat watching the draft. Because what I remember most about it is that we couldn't hear the sound real well. And we couldn't understand why, as we were awaiting the draft pick, was Laramie Tunsil, or this man, at the time we didn't know who it was because all you could (laughs) saw was a gas mask with smoke. And I remember thinking, well, this is hilarious. It's like, did somebody change the channel? Pirate TV! Right, and there's they, yeah. the ESPN bottom line under You're like, what? Yeah, I was like, this is incredible. What is going on? There's a picture of a dude on a couch getting high using a gas mask. This is incredible. Did I thought Mike, we were watching the draft. Did Michael Irvin finally lose it? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chat TV. Is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Something very specific about this particular Wilco tune makes me feel old just because when you look at when Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out and realize that that much time has passed since indeed that uh, that day uh, to now you go, well, damn it, man, because I can remember driving down John Knox Road in the rain listening to that song thinking this album is fantastic. I'm very excited to listen to it again when I get home tonight. And that was a long damn time ago. That John Knox parking lot. Good memories there. Throwing the ball around. Sometimes oh, we take a wedge out there. Back. Put some wedges yeah, in that backfield. Good times, buddy. 20 years. The reissue of the vinyl is coming soon. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, people are nervous, man. Miami just keeps signing guys down there. Signing guys uh, to, uh, to deals with their NIL uh, pimp. And uh, Ruiz is paying away. Nevin Shapiro was ahead of his time. I said that yesterday on headline. You did not, I really? Did, word for word. Oh, how about that? <laughs> I, I promise I didn't listen. Not because yeah. I didn't want to. No, I just no. I didn't listen. It's your day off. Uh, 
So we'll see. The some of the guys that they've signed, I'm like, mm-hmm, by all means. But uh, some of the others, I've thought, well, that would have been nice. Some of them they're getting just from coming over from Oregon, which makes sense. Linebacker from UCLA, I, I would have liked that. Well, the thing that they're doing right now is the thing that hopefully we can, maybe this summer or next year and mm-hmm. the year after that. They're overpaying because they've been bad for a while. Yeah. It's like anything well, else. Well, they've got a dude who's willing to do it. I know this. I'm a Met fan. There have been a lot of contracts over the years. Santana, Beltron, and others. Mm-hmm. Matt, uh, Scherzer, this offseason. You have to pay more because you suck and your yeah. reputation's bad. So hopefully we can get to that point. Um, yeah. There's no... By the way, so you'll hear people when Miami... You know, and we'll see if the team's any good this year down there. But... That Miami team that lost to Florida State last year, a five and seven Florida State team. Um, that you you hear the desperation in our fan base. It's like, oh, do something, anything. The prudent play is to just not. I mean, is not to just go grab anybody that's in the portal and say, well, we got to get them because they're going to get them. No, don't do that at all. Don't do that at all. Uh, but do your best. Obviously, we have those working behind the scenes third-party entities that are efforting to do the nefarious, which is to bring in those that we need to upgrade the roster. And you've got spots available, so I'm not saying don't do that, but let's be judicious. Let's decide that this kid is, yes, a player of note and not just a player. Right. Uh, To use the Sopranos as an analogy, we're Adriana and somebody else is driving. That's somebody Silvio. And Silvio's on the exit right now. Silvio could just be going for a refill of gas. We don't know. Yeah, I don't wouldn't have gotten in the car. Yeah. Also, that scene is so troubling. Just as it's happening, you're like, I this we know where this is headed. Wake up, sister. These are the last moments. Well, she should have never taken him back when she was in her mother's house. Yeah. After she had been beaten. And he comes in, let's get married. And she's still got the bruises on her face. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, that was You that also was it. can't talk to the FBI. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. You got to let that one go. That informant's or not, uh, that undercover agent's accent was pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was a good sell. Yeah. The big hair and everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you recently redid the, the watch, the right? The whole thing. Yep. I, I saw so much more this time. Oh, you! I bet you'd do it a third time. You would again. I'm going to need some time. The wire's that way. The wire's yeah. that way when you go back. You're like, oh, man. I got kind of sick of it in season four because I, I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. You get that kind of anxiety. So I, I'm going to need some time. Any rewatch. It, yeah. My son is watching Breaking Bad. From the beginning, he's never seen it, obviously. Oh, my. Yeah, he's locked in. He's on season two. And The other day, he came out. We were getting ready for, for school. I was getting him breakfast. And I have a rule. Like, you can watch it, but you got to turn your TV off by 11. So... And he comes out of his room. It's like 7.30 in the morning. I'm telling him I got eggs for him. And he's like, the turtle. I was like, oh, the turtle. Oh, I forgot about about the turtle. Uh, Boy, at the rate kids can binge things, though. He'll 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 catch up and he'll get through Better Call Saul before the season's over. Well, he won't because, well, he might because I told him when he finishes, it's my entryway into Better Call Saul. Oh, there you go. So there it is. So we'll watch that together. Final season is off and running. No updates, kids. I know you desperately need updates. I want an update, Cameron. Shut the hell up about the wire or anything else. I want an update. There's no updates. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Not a damn thing. There is a question, though. 
How would the JCSPR firm handle the Ben Simmons situation from the Nets' perspective? Peace? I would have never made that deal to begin with. Bum. Mental stress causing back pain? Question mark. Sheesh. Ryan, this is... Dirk, <laughs> what a what a sorry situation that is. I actually I do think it's something that will be addressed by the NBA, and I don't mean in particular uh, Ben Simmons because if anybody's stupid enough to pay people a hundred plus million dollars to never play, well then that's on them. But I would I would tell you this that I, I don't think teams are going to look at certain players the way that they used to. So Kyrie is a good example. Obviously, when Kyrie plays, he's really good. When he plays, which is almost never. And he's also not fully committed to playing for your organization. If he were, he would have done some things so that he could be eligible to play more frequently. So why am I going to give a max contract to a guy who's maybe going to be there for me? Maybe going to show up in important games? Maybe play in important series? Maybe help us? amass a, a regular season record that allows us to have home court, you know, allows us to do more of what we're trying to do and avoid certain matchups in the early rounds of the playoffs, maybe. Like, I'm not giving people max contracts to just never play when you give me any inkling of an of a in to your psyche which suggests you're about you and not the hard work that it takes to win and not willing to sacrifice time, in some cases, obviously, um, comfort. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yeah, comfort's a very good word because comfort is a luxury word, not ne- not a necessity word. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at a guy like Harden. He showed you who he was years ago. When he's unhappy, he just doesn't play hard. Like, what does that reveal to you about the psyche of that player? Any player. I'm using him as a good example because when he wants out, he just doesn't play hard. He gets fat, and he just self-destructs and you have to watch it every night and you're like, mm-hmm, I see what you're doing and I'm powerless to do anything about it because you don't care. You don't care. Now imagine feeling that kind of bereft of hope, as I say, when I if we come to work every day and I find out you don't care and I'm not in a position, I'm, I'm powerless to do something about that, you're going to sabotage what I'm trying to do. No, man, no, that yeah. ain't happening. Make me. Come yeah, on. right. Can you imagine? Make me care. Right, so that is something where I would say, um, a, I always bring this up somewhat facetiously, but also I mean, I'm kind of serious about this. I'm surprised ass kickings aren't a common occurrence in a locker room. I'm telling you, man, these are all the preternaturally great athletes, hyper-competitive, had to have been to get to where they were. You cannot make it out uh, you know, from the, the lower levels of whatever sport you're playing to the creme de la creme the best in the world, on a nightly basis, and shine without a commitment uh, and fierce competitive spirit. And then all of a sudden, you've got a $100 million, and now you're not, you know, don't want to play through the aggravated knee injury, you don't want to play, oh, uh, I'm a little stressed, I'm a little, a little stressed out, don't know if I can handle Man, no, get the hell out of here with that. We, we would have a problem. I think it's the other end. We are talking about how, you know, player empowerment in college football is on the other side of the spectrum. There's an yeah, overcorrection. The pendulum, yeah. the pendulum swings. Yeah. I think that's the same thing here. Oh, it's I because, think so. Because player salaries are getting so crazy high. And, not, hey, listen, that's what that's the market fine, bears. Obviously. I got no problem with that. Right, you're worth whatever you can get paid. But, you know, for years, we've just kind of accepted how ownership groups, and they still do in some sports, abuse their power. Oh, of course See they the do. Pittsburgh Pirates and, and many others. Yes. Right? 
Yeah, Robert Nutting, the owner of the Pirates, makes money and spends precious little of it to put a competitive team out in the most gorgeous ballpark and tradition-laden city in America when it comes to baseball, and he doesn't care. He gets yelled at by everybody. What does right. he care? Intentional tanking, that's an organizational philosophy. I know uh, you know people were talking about the, Brown, the Bengals' ownership, that they shouldn't be rewarded because they've been the pits of the world for decades, and yet here they are in the Super Bowl. They shouldn't be rewarded for being a-holes. Well, now you're shifting it towards the players, especially with unions that are much more powerful. Because like, I can go back to a situation about 20 years ago now. You'll remember this. It was uh, Vinny LeCavalier did not get along with head coach John Tortorella. It doesn't matter that it's hockey. Right. It matters the circumstance. The player said, I'm never playing for this coach. The general manager called the coach in and the player and says, I'm not going to be the GM that trades you, and I'm not going to be the GM that fires you. So you all figure it out. Left the room, and they had to figure it out. They did, and they ended up winning. But I don't know that that can exist anymore when you've got a player who commands 200 or $300 million and doesn't yeah, want to do anything. well, that's the thing, though. You only give that contract to the player who does care as much as LeBron James cares and does care as much as Kevin Durant cares and does care as much as guys who will sell their souls to win a championship. I mean, you don't, you don't think that Steph Curry cares? I mean, I do. I think he cares greatly. I think a lot of these guys do. It's a misnomer to think that it's the norm that a guy doesn't care. Most of I'm not saying you do. Most of these guys care greatly. Even after they're paid, they care greatly. I think They've assumed some of the power that was should have rightfully always been there, especially in basketball, where one player makes such a big difference. I mean, take Michael Jordan off the Bulls, right? But what I'm saying is, if you're if you identify a guy who shows you he's even capable for a second of laying down like a dog because he can dictate terms and he's willing to do that, you know, you don't pay that guy and you don't take a chance on a guy like that. I agree, but I think it's apples to apples with the ownership because not every owner is trying to tank. Not every oh, owner doesn't care. Most, most of them don't. Most of them try to win. Most well, of them are just incompetent or some, you know. Well, the the owners now, though, this, this is why you have the play-in stuff that you have in the NBA playoff system is they're trying to uh, incentivize non-tanking. Uh, so, you know, it, that's why they set up this right. situation. Right, we do the lottery yeah, system yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you have to reset the way you do things because there's always a bad actor. It happens on a billionaire level, and it happens on the $100 million Ooh, level for it, the players. Of course. Of course. Yeah. No, it, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm leading to. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Like, that was the most delusional press conference after a team gets swept to hear Kyrie talk about, well, you know, me and KD and Joe, so we, we, we'll, we'll figure it out. We, we'll figure it out. Will we? We'll figure it out. And he said, yeah. And where have you been? Yeah. He said, I've got Man. that fire inside of me now. And oh, I'm very happy. I'm very, you know, I'm excited the about the fire I've got inside of me. That was oh, the really? We, okay. We'll see as a family how we're going to put the, we're going to put this. Man, get that. That is. The broom's on fire. Man. You're not on fire. I would, that's a toughie. It's Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. If you're. Want to check out totals, win bets, posted uh, SEC West totals, and then SEC East totals. I gave commentary on college on the college sports book on YouTube. Um, if you'd like to get my thoughts on that, and I bring up something here that reminds us of why it is we are so immensely frustrated with Florida State. I was a guest on a show in Kentucky when Mark Stoops was hired. And I was asked about Mark Stoops taking over at Kentucky, the decision they made to hire him, to give pros and cons of who he was as a coach, as I saw it 
from the standpoint of Florida State in his time here. And also what I thought, and I thought it was an interesting question, um, what I thought projecting forward of, of Kentucky's chances of competing for and someday winning the East. I was asked this question by a guy who is a Kentucky expert on a Kentucky sports talk station, so I thought that was fascinating. First of all, thanks for offering up the opportunity. But I, I kind of turned the tables and threw it back on his chair and said, hey, look, man, I mean, you probably don't want to hear from me. I'm down here in Tallahassee. If I called you and asked you about a coach, but I wouldn't give a damn what your opinion was about Florida State football. So, and we chuckled together, right? Fast forward to where we are. And I wrote this in my buildup in prepping for the college sports book. I'm reading from what I wrote. Real quick, hit, uh, real quick hit here on Kentucky as Mark Stoops' team won 10 games a year ago. The total sits at an even eight. And while I'm concerned about the loss of Wandale Robinson at receiver, I do like that the Wildcats return quarterback Will Levis, who has room to improve but is trending in the right direction. He'll have running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. back on offense and, more importantly, an improving defense that returns 64% of its production. Kentucky avoids Alabama, always nice, and although they face Georgia, they get them along with South Carolina and Mississippi State at home. I can see nine wins here, and even with that minor step back in record, it's enough to cash on the over total of eight at minus 110. I'll take Kentucky over eight. Now, that's what I wrote about Kentucky for the college sports book. Think about that. Think about what I just read and said about Kentucky in the SEC, (laughs) okay? A better conference than the ACC. These days, by a lot. Not always that way, but these days it is by a lot. I'm talking about Kentucky taking a step back and winning nine games. And here we sit. That's why I thought he'd be a good hire for here. Because he understood how to do more with less, and he learned that on the job after being here. So you have familiarity with Tallahassee, and then you also walked into a situation. The SEC wasn't always making that kind of money, especially not when he first got there. No, no. And his approach has been to stockpile interior linemen. If you look at what he did, he said, we can't compete for skill players. We're not going to be able to compete for the best quarterback in the country. He's not coming to Kentucky. We won't be able to get elite wide receivers. He's not coming to Kentucky because guess what? You don't have an elite quarterback. So they're not coming. So you don't bang your head against the wall if you're Mark Stoops at Kentucky. You say, how can I best compete and keep games close to show progress and make a bowl in the mighty SEC without the best skill players? Stockpile offensive and defensive linemen. The answer is to get more, to throw numbers at the problem, offensive and defensive linemen. And where it started for him was he stockpiled defensive linemen, and they were able to make teams one-dimensional. They could create a more level playing field by shutting down the run in a very physical conference. So you walked into any game, and that travels. So you go into any game, any atmosphere, and say, you're going to have to throw the ball to beat me tonight. And Maybe you will. Maybe you will. Maybe we don't have the skills to cover your guys, and maybe your quarterback's good enough. But you're not going to bludgeon me. You're not going to do what mighty SEC teams do to lesser SEC teams, which is to line up, shove it down your throat, emasculate you, wear you out, and by the time we get to the third quarter, this is about to be an ass-beating. No, we're not doing that. You're going to have to throw because you're going to be third and five or longer every night that we play. And then 
confidence is gained. Slowly but surely, you're in games that you're losing, but you're in games. It's the classic lose them close and then win them close type scenario. So that is really, and then if you do enough of that, and this is what we're hoping happens this year for Florida State, if you do enough of that lose close business and then win a couple of those, and all of a sudden you go to a bowl, and somebody goes, man, he's in year four, and he's still got his job, and they've got a winning record. There's something happening there, and that's that's what he's done. That's ingenious. To quickly clarify, that doesn't mean I wasn't happy with the Norvell hire. It's just multiple paths. I thought that Mark would have been a good table setter, if not the guy to get us to a couple levels. I worried about it from a recruiting standpoint. I worried that he is not charismatic enough, but I, in retrospect, look to be wrong. He's done a great job, not a good job, a great job at Kentucky. Hour number two, forthcoming. <laughs> 